All right, well, we're going to start today um, with a word of prayer. So let's just bow our heads and come before the Lord here. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for the blessing of being able to gather in your church. And I pray, Lord, as we look at meekness, um, as tough as it is, that the Holy Spirit would be upon us, helping us to know exactly what you mean. I pray as a teacher that you would be with me and I'd be speaking the words clearly that you want to be spoken. And I pray for everyone here to participate and encourage each other on and just be with us here. And I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at meekness today, I want to start out with a video. And as we're watching the video, I want you to think, why on earth is she playing this video? And just be thinking about it in terms of meekness, okay? So we're just going to, it's like a three-minute video, if that. So what do you think? Why, when I'm talking about meekness, would I show a horse-breaking video? Trust. Anybody else? He was gentle with the horse. Yep. So here we have this wild, Anne, did you have one? Okay, we have this wild horse, rebellious, doing as it wishes. It's in the wild. It has its free will. And along comes its master, wanting to use it for greater purposes, whether that be plowing, show horse, riding, whatever it might be. And he uses the bit and the bridle to rein in the horse. He holds the reins in his hand to ride the horse. And when we talk about meekness, I want you to think about this picture throughout, because there's a lot of misconceptions about what meekness is and what it means in the Bible. And it has a lot to do with the Lord holding the reins in your life. So the first beatitude that we have today is Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I want to focus today on what meekness is the value of inheriting the earth, and how to cultivate or apply meekness in our lives. So I first want to look at the order. And Marsh and I are going to keep saying this every week because the order of the Beatitudes are on purpose and very necessary. The foundation is what is so important here, poverty of spirit. It's coming to the Lord and saying, I can't do this without you. It's the first step and it's foundational. And as we increase in difficulty in this, we can't forget where we started. And he doesn't leave us hanging. We come and we say, I need you. I need you spiritually. I am poor without you. And he says he'll come. So I don't want the Beatitudes and things to overwhelm you without you remembering that you are not alone. The second step is the mourning over sin. So once we understand that we need God in our lives, we're going to start to seek him out in his word, in prayer, you know, in learning things from other Christians. And as we do that, we're going to see ourselves in light of who he is. You're going to see your true self. And because of that, because you know you're not yielding to the Holy Spirit, because you're sinning, you're going to mourn for your sins. You know what it costs other people when you sin. You know what it costs yourself when you sin. And you know what it costs our Lord when you sin. So then you start to mourn. And again, he doesn't leave us hanging. He says, you will be comforted. And then you're forgiven and you're restored. So the order of the Beatitudes is logical and it matters. You cannot catapult yourself from nothing into meekness because then you're doing it on your own. And meekness is not about your personality. 
It's about spiritual change within. It's a spiritual, uh, a fruit of the spirit, actually, is what it is. And these virtues are Jesus teaching us what it means to be a disciple, what it means to look like him, what it means to be a part of the citizen of the kingdom of God. And we're all works in progress in all of these, but they're not in isolation. We need to take them in order and keep remembering that, that this is a process and we're works in process. And I truly come before you humbly when I'm talking about meekness. I truly am. It's hard to teach that because I haven't mastered it yet. I'm a work in progress. But the third third beatitude makes orderly sense here because we arrive at meekness through the momentum of understanding our need of the Lord and understanding our sin. And when we understand that, we know we can't do this life without him in control. And another part about it is if you know your true self, if you know who you are on the inside and you've come before the Lord and you know step by step the mistakes that you've made, it's really hard to then judge other people. And where you would normally throw your self-righteous condemnation of other people, meekness cuts that off because you know who you are. You know your shortcomings and your failings. So out of mourning, out of knowing your need for God, Meekness starts to occur, and it should stop you in your tracks. Meekness is difficult because it involves submission. And um, it, it involves emptying yourself to God. Having his will in your life, even when it's hard and it doesn't make sense. Giving up what you think is best, how you think things should go, how much control you want to hold on to, and trusting him. Think of that horse having to trust the master. Did the horse lose the strength? It didn't lose the strength. It didn't lose the beauty. But it was coming under the master in order to do a better work. And that's what we want. We want to come under God's reign and do a better work for his kingdom. And then the second part of meekness, which makes it challenging, is that then people ought to see it, right? And that's where hypocrisy can come in. So you are a disciple. You are a Christ follower, and Christ is meek. He's humble. He's gentle. He's patient. He's long-suffering with people. And there we ought to be, too. So whether meekness is seen or unseen in your life, it needs to be growing, We need to be looking at that. So it's a powerful witness to other people, and that's what makes it hard, but it makes it very necessary. So let's look at, let's step back and think about who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the Jews, and what were the Jews ready for? They were ready for a Messiah to come. They had been persecuted in slavery, pushed down, and they are waiting to take over and be victorious by force. But Jesus comes to them and says, this is not the way. This is not the way. This is not who's going to rule the kingdom of God. It's going to be the meek. What a shock that must have been for them. But their hearts were hardened, and they wanted to trust their own plan. Now I want you to think about our culture in terms of meekness. 
Do you think someone would write on their resume, I'm meek? Do you think the army would go about collecting all the meek people? The meek, come, let's fight. What do you think our culture thinks of meek? Weak. Weakness, like mousy. You know, maybe like peace at any cost or a doormat. If I'm a go-getter and I'm going to go to the top of my corporation, what might that look like? What might it look like to succeed? Might be aggressive, pushy. I might have to read a bunch of books about my self-confidence. Arrogance. You know, this, this idea of retaliate, whoever comes in front of me, I'll push over. I'm going to bulldoze to get to the top. Blessed probably are the proud in our culture. But not so in God's kingdom. It's not the way that Christ is. He says, meek people inherit the earth. And I read something interesting that I want to share with you. Weakness isn't in the meek. Weak is, I can't do it. Meek is, I can do it, but I yield myself to what the Lord wants me to do. I'm capable, but I'm first going before the Lord. If he tells me to fight, I fight. If he tells me not to, I don't. That's in the face of insults. That's in the face of all kinds of challenges. Follow the Lord's leading. Let him take the reign in your life. On to number four. What is meek then? The Greek word is praos, P-R-A-U-S. And it actually described domesticating wild animals, just like we saw in the video. And that's why I chose to play it. So you could have a picture image of what I'm talking about. We're not talking about the weak. The horse is still strong. He's just coming under the rule of the master and being able to work out the greater purpose that the master has in mind for him. And every commentary that I've read talks about meekness this way. Being meek is a willingness to submit to the proper authority. It's also a willingness to disregard one's own rights and privileges. Biblically, it's called strength under control. Have you heard that before? Write that down, strength under control. We're being tamed for God's purpose. And it doesn't occur without the hand of God because he's the authority and he's giving us the spirit to make this happen in our lives. No skipping steps in the Beatitudes, starting with the need for him. But we want to do our own thing. That's naturally what happens. We want to have our own way. Think about, it's easy to think about maybe in the terms of your husband, kind of telling you what to do maybe sometimes and you just want to, you want to say what you want to say. Picture that horse, wild, untamed, unruly, out of control, doing what it wants, when it wants. Lots of power and free will to make up its own mind and live according to its own authority. Then along comes the master who leads the horse to tame the energy, the strength, the free will, and teach the horse what it can do to be useful whether that's plowing, races, battle. 
And if you can't picture the horse, picture your children. It's kind of like that, reining in, discipline, loving them, coming around them so they can be useful in the world, taming in when they want to go out of control. And I think about that horse, and I think about God. I was laughing with Marcia saying the time when the horse bucked him off. I think, well, those are my college years, Lord. I kind of took it upon myself, you know, get off, I know what's best. So possibly like raising a Christian is like taming a horse. So what does it involve to have meekness before God? And like I said before, it involves submission. A point where we accept what he's telling us to do, and that starts with submitting to his word. Accepting God's word. Being willing to be taught. A desire to learn. Regular meditation of the heart. God's mission is detailed in the Bible and it becomes our mission then. Be like Christ. Love God. Love others. Spread the truth. Think of the posture of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, ready to learn, submitting to what he wants, getting to know who he is. A meek spirit would not fight or try to rearrange the truth. I love that Pastor Daryl talked about the belt of truth this weekend because it goes along with what I'm saying. The devil is trying to cut the belt of truth. In that passage there that I referenced, James 1, 21 to 22, in verse uh, 26, I'm going to summarize it. It's basically saying, humbly accept God's word, but don't just listen to it. Do what it says, and therefore you'll be blessed. The second part of this meekness and submission is submitting to God's will. The trainer, our Lord, knows what we're capable of, knows what our gifts and our strengths and what we can do in the kingdom. And he's working it out for you. It's the opposite of self-will. It's emptying yourself and your rights, emptying yourself knowing that spiritually you cannot do it without him. Come in and fill me up. I yield to what you want. And I want to think about Luke 22 right now, verse 42. Imagine a garden of extreme pain, betrayals of friendship, impending unfair, unjust death, humiliation, insults, spitting, hitting, torn flesh. Have you ever been in a place you would rather not be? And still being able to say three times, Lord, not your will. Not my will, but yours. Lord, not my will, but yours. Lord, not my will, but yours. And then trusting him to truly work it out for you. That is meekness. And it didn't end well for Jesus. He died, right? But he came back. And there's a reason God is working out and putting us in those hard places. And we need to yield to him, submit to his will, and trust that he's going to carry us through. And that comes through first submitting to his word. Because that's going to take time to cultivate in your life. You're going to need to understand who God is. And then here comes the third part, 
meekness towards people, which might be hardest. Because you want to defend your rights. If someone's insulting you, you want to say something back. But we need to be humble, gentle, patient, and long-suffering. Being others-focused. Love God and love others. Turning the other cheek. When you think about Jesus going to the cross and what he could have said, Judas, you betrayed me. You are an awful person. Let Peter cut off that ear. But he said, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup? When Jesus was personally attacked, he was the lamb. And that's our example. But when God was attacked, think of the temple courts. He was a lion, uprooting those tables. So it isn't about weakness. It's about being under control. And when God says the timing's right, follow his lead. Being controlled under the hand of God. Ephesians 5.21 there is talking about letting the spirit fill you and speaking to other people in psalms and hymns. And it says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because if I'm doing it just for your sake, that doesn't seem, that's in the natural self. But I'm doing it because Christ did it first. I want to turn to 1 Peter 2, if we could here. 1 Peter chapter 2. Have you get there in your Bibles? I said on here, starting with verse 24, but I'd actually like to read from verse 19. So 1 Peter 2, 19. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was from his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And that's what I want for us to think about meekness, to entrust ourselves to him who will take care of it, to trust that God is working it out. In our examples of this, I want to move on to five, is Abraham. I took Abraham as an example because we've studied it a lot. In Genesis 13, 2 through 18 is that time. Do you remember when Abraham and Lot were starting to get so big, they were butting heads a bit? And Abraham, the one who had been called the oldest, the authority in that situation, what did he do? Do you remember when they started to butt heads? What did he say to Lot? He let him choose. If you go this way, I'll go that way. That's an example of meekness with other people. 
How about Moses? In Numbers 12, 3, it says he was the meekest in all of the land. How was Moses meek? At first, he told God he wasn't able to do what God had asked him to do. But later, he came under the will of God. And he led a rebellious people who insulted him a lot. Why didn't you just leave us to die? But he went before God and he prayed for those people. He gave over his reins to God and let him move in his life. Would you consider Abraham or Moses weak? No, they did major things when they came under God's hand. They were used in the kingdom of God hugely. They were not weak. So do not mistake meekness for weakness. Strength under control, under God's control. Now the ultimate example is Jesus. And let's, um, Marsha read Isaiah 53, but I want to look at 6 and 7. So if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 53. We're just going to focus on six and seven. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is silent, and he did not open his mouth. Did Jesus have the power to change the whole situation? Yes, he did. But he didn't. He submitted to the will of God. Now let's turn back to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. I can't get the thought of Jesus in the garden saying, okay, kill me then. Put me to death. Your will, not mine. I can't ignore that he went to the cross. I can't then in turn to other people and say, I can't forgive you. 
It changes who I am. Meekness changes who we are. As Jesus, our example, Paul's saying that's how we ought to be. Not fighting for your own way. Not being self-righteous and condemning down other people. But loving God and loving others. And that's risky. It's risky to not be in control and trust the Lord. But it's not risky when you start to know him and you start to trust. And as you let go, he comes in, letting go of yourself, him filling you up. And in the beatitude, he says, blessed are you. You will inherit the earth. He promises us. He doesn't just give us a list of all these things we need to do without talking about the blessing and the reward. Because he wants what's best for us. What do you think the blessing is in meekness? It is implied that you inherit the earth. What does inheriting the earth mean? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna answer that, but I go one more person had. She said when she has submitted herself from experience, the Lord has blessed her beyond measure. But when you try to do things on your own, it can end up like a train wreck. So there's two types of this inheritance on earth. The first one is just the fact that you have peace and contentment now. Blessed is joy, joy and meekness, joy and not having to strive and fight and control things and have that rage that can come when things aren't going your way. The blessing on earth is to say, you've got this, God. This is hard as I'll get up. Maybe you're in tears. This is so hard. But I trust you and I have contentment that you are working it out. Your will, not mine. And being confident in Jesus saying, you will be blessed. I want to open and talk about this more in terms of Matthew eleven twenty nine. So this is talking about inheriting the earth, the peace and contentment now. Jesus says in Matthew 11, starting in verse um, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for I am meek. Learn from me and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Join up with Jesus. 
and you will have peace that passes all understanding. That is an inheritance now. The yoke gives our souls rest. The rest that he speaks of is the blessing. Not having to fight and strive as man would, to try to claw our way to the top. All that turmoil and that, um, you must have had it at some time. You must know what it is to fight for your own way and how that doesn't end nicely. It doesn't give you a peace. Being content and satisfied with what you have and trusting in the Lord is the peace and the inheritance now. And for the future, we're co-heirs when we believe in Christ. We're children of God. That's what Romans 8, 17 is saying. We are the children of God, then we are heirs. So everything that belongs to Christ and we belong to him, we share in that inheritance of what's to come. One day we're gonna judge the earth. And finally, I want to look at Psalm 37, because here is the inheritance laid out pretty clearly. And it, it, it's so powerful in today what we're looking at when we look at the riots and what all these things that are happening in our world. So I'm going to read through Psalm 37 and follow along in your Bibles. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy the safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the, no the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Did you see how many times it said, do not fret? I want you to turn in your books that we have to page 25. How many of us can honestly say that this COVID thing has made us fret a little bit? Number eight says, three times this passage advises us, do not fret. How does fretting contradict an attitude of meekness? I didn't quite hear you. Shows lack of trust. We want to be in control. We're fretting to try to balance it. So when Jesus says, trust in me, 
Be meek, yield yourself. You can feel the blessing. It's like, you've got this, God. When we're fretting, we're focusing on the problem. I put panic, concern, and worry goes against the knowledge that God is in control of your life and everything. It's that self-control that makes you fret. What is the relationship between meekness and trusting in God? Meekness recognizes that God is our source. Because I know who he is, and he's ruling in my heart. Then I can pour out myself and have more of him. Is there anything about this beatitude that surprises you as we talk? Any questions? Like we're going against the grain. Yep. It starts with the Holy Spirit. He's the one working this out because this is hard. We, na- we have nature. Natural man wants to put everything under control. How about that first question? Would you want to be called meek? If someone came up to you and said, well, you're meek, what would you think? You might say, well, how do you understand meekness? <laughs> Does meek rhyme with meek in your, or weak in your world? That's what I think it depends on who you're talking to. Other Christians, they feel okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, what do you mean by meek? What's your understanding of meek? Had you guys heard before that it's strength under control and this idea of a horse? Had that ever been thought to you? Can you see how it it makes sense in the orderly fashion? Where God would say, first you need me, then you need to look at yourself, and then you need to be long-suffering for other people and submit to my will. Does that make orderly sense in your Christian walk? Who feels they've perfected meekness? Right? We're all works in progress. Is there anything else that anybody has that they want to talk about or any questions that they might have from their book? Underneath number four there, he says, I believe Martin Lloyd joins us right to emphasize that this meekness denotes a humble and gentle attitude towards others, which is determined by a true estimate of ourselves. 
Rather than the meek inheriting the earth, one would have expected the opposite. One would think meek people get nowhere because everybody ignores them or else rides roughshod over them and tramples them underfoot. Isn't it the tough, the overbearing, who succeed in the struggle for existence? Even the ancient Israelites had to fight for their inheritance, although the Lord their God gave them the promised land. But the condition on which we enter our spiritual inheritance in Christ is not might, but meekness, for everything is ours if we are Christ. Meekness is a true view of oneself, expressed in attitude and conduct with respect to others. This makes us gentle, humble, sensitive, and patient in all of our dealings with others. So I want to ask you, before we close in prayer, who is holding the reins in your life? How are you doing in meekness? How do we cultivate meekness? Let's go to the last. I, I just totally forgot I had this. <laughs> so on the back side of your paper, it talks about ways to cultivate meekness. The first thing that we need to do, James 1.5 tells you, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask for it. God gives generously to all who without finding fault and it will be given to you. So the first thing you need to do when you question yourself on how am I doing in meekness is you need to ask God for meekness. Second is a Matthew eleven twenty nine, and it's walking daily with Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We just read this. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You are not alone. He is with you sharing that burden. In 2 Peter 1, 9, it's remembering how much you have been forgiven. So it says, if you do not have brotherly love, if you do not have kindness, then you are nearsighted because you forgot how much you have been forgiven. So it's remembering how much you have for, been forgiven will cultivate meekness. I was reading a commentary, Matthew Henry, and he says, if God were as angry with my offenses as I am with others, what might that look like? You know how quick you can, especially women, I think we got a little sharp tongue sometimes. I can really start, ooh, thinking of things, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then Colossians 3.12. We have been chosen. We have been set apart. So Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let him take the reins. Let his mission be your mission. Submit to his mission. Is there any more questions out there? Okay, let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you again for your beatitudes. So we know what you want and we know the reward that's for us. 
It's so obvious it's in the best interest of ourselves to follow what you have planned. And I thank you for the guidance and for your word. I pray that you would help us step out in meekness and check ourselves and come before you as our great example. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your leading. And I pray now that the words that have been spoken and the encouraging of, other, of, our, of all of us would help us to understand what meekness is and that we would live peacefully with each other as we yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So next week, Marsha is going to be talking about the fourth beatitude, which is? Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thanks, ladies.